Taking you inside the world of music, this is Inside Music Cast with Rick Such and Eddie Cabello. On this episode, Inside Music Cast welcomes Steve Lukather. Welcome to Inside Music Cast, a podcast devoted to musicians, fans, and the people that make music happen. I'm Rick Such. And I'm Eddie Cabello. Welcome, everybody, from around the world. And as Rick mentioned, Inside Music Cast is devoted to bringing you candid interviews, news, and information with the musicians, fans, and people that make music happen. That's right. This is the podcast that goes beyond the pop star and features the talent behind the talent. So if you're ready, let's get started. Steve Lukather is still under construction as a musician. Although he has chosen three distinct roads to follow during his career, as a solo performer, as a member of the Grammy award-winning band Toto, and also as a top session player, he is still not intimidated by the process of collaborating with other musicians and writers to create fresh music. This is evident as he prepares to put the final touches on his latest solo album, which is yet untitled. After a year of solid touring with Toto, he was still able to write the solo album with fellow collaborator Randy Goodrum in only two weeks. With very little time to write, record, and produce finished tracks, Steve admits that working under pressure helps him work better and ultimately deliver a better record. In the midst of working on his solo album, he's preparing to embark on a second phase of touring, which also includes a European leg with Toto. An intense schedule? Yeah. Madness? Maybe. But then again, you have to know Luke. He's a pretty intense guy that needs to keep things moving along. Inside Music Cast shifts into overdrive and invites you into the world of Steve Lukather. Hey, Steve, thanks for joining us today. Hey, man, what's up? Hey, thanks, man. Well, Eddie, go ahead with it. This is your question. Well, I was just talking to Steve just a couple seconds ago, and I uh, I was really rooting for, uh, um, you know, Greg Film Games last night uh, on his first nomination. By the way, congratulations again for the nomination, Greg. But she uh, was a little edged out, but maybe next time, you know? Uh, you know, it's, once again, it's great to be nominated and recognized. I mean, it would have been nice for him to win because he's never won before, but... Yeah. You know, he just certainly deserves to, considering the contributions he's made to music in the last year. Yeah. Hey, man, you know, you another go around, you know. By the way, have you have you had a chance to listen to to Greg's arrangement? I think it's really cool. Oh uh, it, yeah, it was, it's really good. I mean, you know, but yeah, he, he brings that to everything he does. You know, yeah. he's a very very talented man. Mm-hmm. We're very we're very honored to have him in the in the band with us. Right. Well, hey, uh, let's talk about your the new CD you're working on, and and you began working on this record back in January, and, and you know you were fortunate or kind enough to let me come out and sit in with you for. Hey, man, you should hear it now, man. It's really come to life with all the <laughs> vocals and stuff on it. You know what I mean? It's really uh, some of the cats have come by and 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 been digging what I do. I have Babco pack over because we're working on his song we wrote together. Doing lead vocals, background vocals this week. I'm actually Champlin's coming in this week to do something for really? me. Really? Oh, that's cool. For him. On his record, so we're kind of doing the barter system. You do for me, I do for you. You know, <laughs> I got. I wrote the final two songs that we're going to cut uh, <clears throat> on the twenty sixth. Uh, I wrote one with Trevor and Randy, and I wrote one with uh, Rocky Crowell. Very cool. Which is a real beautiful kind of like six eight ba- like ballad. You know what I mean? Really? Uh-huh. I wrote a piano song. You know, which I'm gonna, which is you know, was a missing flavor. And Trevor and I wrote one that's a full on rocker. Man, it's really a great tune. Oh. Real catchy, almost. Uh, I don't want to. I hate to make comparisons, but you know, let's just say it, it, it was it was a missing groove on the record, kind of up tempo, straight ahead rocker with a little weird little section in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just having such a blast doing it, man. I don't have no I have no idea what I'm going to call it yet. I'm, my wife usually names the records. I mean, she comes <laughs> up with really quirky stuff. She came up with sentimental through the looking glass. Really? Yeah. She just comes around. And, you know, she she has a she's very well read and has an incredible vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So now she's uh, smart as well as beautiful. 
you know, we're off to the races, and then uh, I got to think about. I mean, we're going on. I'm do rehearsals with Toto next week for the tour. Right. You know, and then we're off all of uh, March. Then I come back and I finish my album in, in April, and we're done. You know what I mean? And then then it'll probably come out in the fall. I I, I plan on touring extensively uh, myself as a solo artist, but uh, there's a lot of work for Toto, and we're going to play a bunch of gigs in the U.S. this time mm-hmm. during Great. the summer. Something that we haven't done in a while. We're doing a few festivals in Europe as well. We're doing a big one with Aerosmith and uh, Scorpions and all this. They were second on the bill, which is kind of a trip to go on stage in between Scorpions and Aerosmith. <laughs> but, but, you know, we're, like, we're really big in Holland still. So, you know, our arena gig there was sold out four months ago, you know. Really? That's so awesome. They, you know, they, but they didn't want to add another day because we are playing in the summer. So that's going to be like 50,000 people or something like that. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a busy, busy year, you know, and I'm really happy... And I'm physically, mentally up for the task. Yeah. When you started working on uh, uh, in the project while Rick was out there, he said that you uh, basically had nine songs that you were working on. And and uh, at the time, a couple of the posts that you put on the Total Network were basically showed you, you know, selecting your amps and guitars. And and uh, one of the questions I have is, you know, as you were sort of selecting, you know, the the amps and what were you looking for? Were you looking for a different sound? Yeah, I, mean, how, I, was, how, I was completely into a different thing, and I was, you know. I wanted to use all vintage amplifiers to get mm-hmm. a, a, just a different take on my my overall sound. You know yeah, you know? I mean, there was even a I, cut that uh, you posted up that I thought it was a really cool groove that you posted up with Babco on on uh, doing some road stuff, and it just had a really hip sound to it. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because this time, I mean, I did play guitar on some of the basic tracks, but a lot of the stuff I really just sat in the in, in the booth and produced mm-hmm. while they were getting like bass drums and keyboards because I really wanted to spend a lot of time sonically choosing the right stuff, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was a different way for me to do about it. I, I made sure I got great takes with these guys. Yeah. Because I had limited time with them. So I wasn't sit- sitting around worrying about my sound and my thing, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have the vision in my mind as I wrote the songs. Right. So, I mean, I just went about this in a different way. So And then I get to kind of go in there and with a with an open uh, easel, as they say, just painted in exactly what I want. I use a lot of different kinds of guitar sounds on every track. Well, I heard along the way that uh, actually you had been listening uh, to a heck of a lot of Steely Dan stuff and all that. And well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's still my, you know, Fagin and Becker, man. I mean, it's, those records are still, you know, they're among, amongst my favorite artists of all time. I have one song called "Stab in the Back." That's a, mm-hmm. it's a shameless tribute to them. You should hear it now with all the solos. I mean, I, I broke out. <laughs> All the little tricks that they've used along the years, they kind of stuffed it all into one song. Yeah. But it doesn't, I mean, it, it's derivative of that. I mean, I didn't steal their material or anything like that. But it, but it, it, but it, it definitely has a vibe to it. It's yeah. meant as a tribute, you know. And that's cool. I have another song that's a bit Pink Floydish, but uh, then it has a big rock section that my son wrote. And then, um, you know, so it's just different shit, you know, different yeah. stuff. If it works, it works. You know, it's all about getting new stuff, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah, really. I'm feeling, uh, I'm back in all week, so that's all good. I'm going to... I should be done by the end of April, and then I'm, I have to sit on it for a while and then wait for it to get out and be promoted properly. I'm really going to go out and do a number on that. In the meantime, I'm booked up solid with Toad. I'm feeling good. Cool. Awesome. Hey, with all your connections and friends in the industry, you know, you could have chosen a huge variety of, of musicians to play on your record. And mm-hmm. Who were some of the cats you invited to the party, and how did you go about inviting these particular players? You know, it just sort of fell into my lap by accident. I went off, you know, Abe, Abe Jr., Abel Boreal Jr., who plays mm-hmm. with McCartney and stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he, I've known him since he was a baby. Yeah. Know, I used to play sessions with his father. Right. Bass player, famous bass player. And uh, I went and saw him at a club with Robin Ford Landau, man. And I, just, I was reminded just how great he was. You know, I loved the energy, you know. 
that youthful vibe. And then I got Sklar. I ran into him. I thought that'd be an interesting rhythm section. It turns out I was right. Wow. And then Babco and Steve Weingart are playing keyboards. Well, I'm going to play on one tune, but uh, Steve Picard was doing a song with me, which is going to be like this instrumental extravaganza piece. It's a really cool. beautiful piece of music. Cool. And uh, then I got, you know, then my son Trevor plays guitar on a couple of tracks and mm-hmm. rhythm stuff. Uh, but I, I wanted to keep it like not super heavy guest musicians, you know, like I have in the past. I really wanted to keep my own identity intact. And didn't you say uh, Tina, your daughter, sang on one she of the sang, tracks? She sang back up on one. She did some ooze. And she does this little laugh thing that I had, a little sarcastic <laughs> take on that uh, tune. <laughs> Which you'll, when you hear it, you'll crack up. It's, it's very, it's very fagin-esque. <laughs> you kept it. But, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I you know, hope those guys take it. You know, I meant it with love and respect, you know. Right. So it should make them smile and laugh and go, wow, this guy actually does love our band. You know, <laughs> you know one, of the, one of the things I thought was, was particularly cool, because I'm, I'm an engineer myself, and when I was out there in the studio with you, um, I was really impressed with Steve McMillan and how you guys interacted. He's a monster, man. I'm very honored to have him. You know, it's funny, he's, he's mixed a lot of our records, and I've done, worked with him in that capacity many times. I don't remember ever cutting a basic track with him. Mm-hmm. And he was like my first choice of somebody that I wanted to work with because he brings the whole package. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. But he he has great ideas. He's brought yeah. me. He's got me into a lot of stuff that I wouldn't normally have gone for. Right. And he was the guy that said, "Look, man, let's use vintage stuff. Let me let me mess with it, effects wise and stuff like that. Let's try to keep you sounding a little more organic. You know, mm-hmm. show people a different side." Yeah. You know, and uh, and he also has great ideas. And I'm stumped. I'm going like, shit. I don't know what I say. He'll go like, why don't you try blah blah blah? And I go, fuck, that's great. Yeah, that's what it I noticed. Sparks a whole new set of ideas sonically as an engineer. He's right. brilliant because it sounds natural. You know, a lot of engineers have a tendency to start EQing and over EQing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. No, and and he's very. He works very quickly too because I'm incredibly impatient. Well, I, I notice one thing that's important to him as far as far as EQ is concerned is he doesn't juice up the EQ. He picks the right mics. Well, you as an engineer understand how important that is. Yeah. That's, that's how a great engineer works. That's how Al Schmidt Al works, Schmidt, how yeah. Elliot Shiner works, how Steve works. You know, these guys are going to just start twiddling knobs and, you know, looking at multiple equalizers and compressors. It's like they don't go out to the sound source. Maybe it's the sound source that's not good. Right. That's where you know, it or starts. Or maybe the miking. Maybe it's the wrong mic, you know? Mm-hmm. And you go on and you move a microphone two inches and it changes the whole sound. Right, know? right. People, I mean, you know. And plus, he just goes out and listens to the sound source. He goes, hmm, okay, I know what that's supposed to sound like. Yeah. yeah. And immediately, we're making records. We're making music. I mean, I can't stand sitting around blowing out your chops, man, on getting a sound, then you're completely uninspired when it goes down. You know what I mean? So at the very end of it, you have an engineer that really adds to your productivity. You get stuff done. Yeah, he's also uh, had some interesting ideas for, you know, you know people to come in and, and work on certain things. Some new, like, synthesizer kind of guys. Guys he worked with the seal. Yeah. And stuff like that. So I get a completely different take on... On that, so it sounds less Toto-esque, you know what I mean? Right, right. I mean, it's going to have a certain flavor because it's me singing and playing, but the overall sound of it, I don't want it to be that painfully obvious or compared to that obviously, you know? Right. Some people go, wow, that's really fresh. Mm-hmm. And I'm really playing a lot more on it. I got a lot of souls that I really work, I really push myself hard on them. You know, like, they're not necessarily super flashy fast, and even though there is some of that shit, but, uh, you know, I just really wanted to dig deep and play some stuff. Mm-hmm. People are going to go, wow, that's really cool. Didn't, didn't expect that. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Well, the Toto uh, tour ended in November, so you you must have dove, uh, dived right into the writing and, and the challenges. I wrote of most of the stuff in about two weeks. Seriously? Really? Yeah. Holy I cow. Mean, I, I'm not, I don't necessarily write songs every day. Yeah. 
I mean, I have little bits and pieces. I have little motif tapes that I keep and I and all that stuff. But uh, for the most part, I uh, I just kind of like get in the mode of writing. I'm going to write now, and then I get really excited. I, once I start writing a few things, and the floodgates are open. Yeah. You know, I've written a lot of songs, and I picked the best eleven. You know. Right. Well, you you had been in such a constant Toto zone for you know almost all of last year because you guys did like eighty dates or something well, like that. Well, that and working nine months on the album prior to that, yeah, it's been a total total. Oh, yeah, okay. so was it was it really difficult to switch gears from Toto to to Luke? No, actually, it was really a lot of fun because you know I I, I have I move really quickly. Uh-huh. You know, with the band, everybody has input, so you have to listen to what everybody thinks. Right, right. With me, it's like okay, you know, if I'm digging it, oh great, let's move on. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, and it's two different things. I mean, Toto's a different animal. I mean, you know, it, it, it's a much bigger situation. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, with me, I, I'm. I get to do whatever I want to do, which is the point of doing a solo record. Yeah. I scratch a lot of itches that maybe I don't want to do, and I, I have fun with it. Like, I, I tease my influences, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And, I'm, you know, like I said, you know, I'm having a blast doing it, and I think that, that and the guys in the band had a blast cutting the tracks. So, I mean, there was a lot, of, a lot of love in the room there, so that makes it easy. We didn't do anything more than two or three times. Most hmm. of the shit was one or two takes. Right. Sure. And, you know, and that comes across in the freshness. I try to keep it loose. Like, I let Abe... Abe Jr. just have his way with it. I said, don't play like Joe Studio Cat, man. Keep it loose, man. If you want to do fills in weird places, do it. Yeah. And he did. Really? Yeah. You know, and I didn't go in there and try to fix everything and put it on the grid and, you know, okay, that's perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. These guys just play really good. I think the first time I saw Abe Jr. perform was at uh, the baked potato, the one that closed. Uh, it was, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, but it was for Lenny Castro's birthday party. <laughs> and you were up there playing, and I can't remember who else was there, but I was just really impressed with him. Well, he's come a long way, too. I mean, like, he's, he's just really, he's come into his own. Yeah. I mean, he's just fantastic. Man. He was such he a feel Really a joy to play with and, uh, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Know? I'm still having fun with this, and, you know, I'm going to end up finishing this a little ahead of schedule. Hmm. And uh, on budget, which is uh, nice for a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, that, that works out good for my wallet, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. In and then I get to really have a lot of chance to sit on it and then be able to promote it properly, and that's important to me, because the brand new record label is called Ride Records, uh-huh. and I'm the first artist, and their whole point with this label, Randy Goodman is my A&R guy. Really? My songwriting part. He's that's the one cool. that brought the deal to me. He said, look, they want you guys to do a, they want you to do a solo record. And do pretty much what you want to do, but it just has to be melodic and grooving. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I said, well, I can accomplish that. <laughs> Did you collaborate with him, uh, with Randy, with any of the, the tracks? Oh, yeah, we wrote half the record, maybe yeah. more. Jeez. It just happened to come out, and we wrote it at this, in, in a hotel room right down the street from my house. <laughs> you know, it, it just, it, and we, you know, we write really quickly. Right. So when you're in the hotel room or whatever and you're writing, I mean, you, you primarily write, uh, I mean, on, on the motif, right, on the keyboard, don't you? I have a, a seven foot five Yamaha grand piano in my living room. Yeah, I mean you write mostly to a lot I, of the songs. This record, I wrote a lot of guitar stuff. Did you? I only wrote uh, three tunes on piano, mm-hmm. and you know those are pretty obvious what they are. Sure, but uh, the rest of my, you know, I, I really wanted. To, I mean, uh, there was a lot of people saying that I didn't play enough solos on the last other record. I was sort of subdued, so I wanted to come out and uh, prove them wrong. Yeah, and so the real guitar. There's just guitar solos on almost every song. So would you say that at the end of the whole process of what you're ending up was, it's it's really totally different than what you started uh, envisioning at the very beginning? Well, you know, that's the, that's the danger of saying stuff in the beginning is that you yeah. <laughs> it inevitably will change. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, 
and it will again. Yeah. But I pretty much have a pretty good overview of what the whole record's going to be like now. Correct. You know I mean? Now it's just a matter of finishing it, and finishing it all. Mm-hmm. But I got some really, I really worked really hard on the lead vocals too. You know, Mac is incredible with that. You know, he mm-hmm. says all the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to get really good personal performances. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I still got a ways to go, so I got to be careful how much I say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really. say all this crap now, and all that it's different. You know, hey, well, you didn't say that before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I, I, I do want to ask just one sort of historical question, and, and you're, yeah, man. Um, but uh, and maybe you can shed light on this. But but for, you first learned how to play drums and keyboards even well before you learned how to play guitar, right? That's not true. That's not true. No, I mean, Correct I that for me. For, I picked up a guitar first. Really? Yeah, but then, you know, then drums, obviously, everybody wants to play the drums. Sure. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, because you sit down, you're immediately uh, making music. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're making noises, you know? Right. But, you know, to be a great drummer, that takes a lot. Right. But the guitar was always there. I mean, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and that's how it all started. I was mm-hmm. seven years old. And by the time I was uh, 9, 10, 11, I was playing at weekends and doing party. By 11, I was, you know, making about... You know, thirty bucks a weekend, which is uh, you know, in nineteen sixty-eight, <laughs> that was a lot of money. Heck yeah, Heck for yeah. an eleven-year-old kid, anyway. You know, and it was a little later on that that uh, I mean, you actually formalized your your playing with uh, with Jimmy Weibel, right? That yeah, uh, man. you took I mean, some he, lessons he on that. Started me out when I was about fourteen. You know, I had to go back and learn how to read music and all that stuff again. It was, it was, it was hard for me. Yeah. Just cause, you know. Sure, but it, 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 the reason I'm, I'm chosen that line of question is because I want to sort of bring us to uh, hook that up as to you know now that you're at the end of your your project here. At what point of the whole process, Steve, does uh, do you actually start charting stuff? I mean, you look for the groove, the hook, and so forth. You're messing around, and then uh, well, when no, you, you know, basically, I mean, some of the piano esque tunes are pretty straight ahead because I'm very specific about which parts I want to get uh-huh. played, and I had them all written out. Yeah, and uh, Jeff can pl- read them and play them. I gotcha. And but some of the other stuff, I just said, "Hey, man, you know, play with you know, play what you feel. Mm-hmm. You know, or please don't feel free to take what I've written and make it your own. And, and please say, hey, that this doesn't feel comfortable. Let me try this. Or I got a lot of input from the guys. They came up with some great arrangement ideas. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. and stuff that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of. I just you know, so it was great to have them in there suggesting stuff and and getting into the music and they're they're popping by even when they don't have to be there just to say hey and check out what I've been doing you know yeah the song seemed to develop so so quickly you said you finished writing it in, in a couple weeks that's that's incredibly uh, fast or is it uh, is this just basically well you know like I, write, I I work a lot better under pressure to be quite honest with you. Uh-huh. I I I don't like sitting around and having too many options right I'm like screw that let's do it mm-hmm. right you know and then I can, you know but because otherwise you start picking it all apart, and then you, and that can be work to a deficit. In, your, in my opinion, anyway. Right. So, so you have to you have to go with what's feeling at the moment. I mean, right. this record is nothing like the other solo records I've ever done. So is lyric- they're all so vastly different sonically and uh-huh. different players, different situations. So I mean, that's how I got to go with it. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So lyrically, is a is a Steve song uh, lyrically different yeah, than well, the source of a total song? Lyrics. I mean, Randy's a really good lyricist. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. I work with Phil Susan on one track that we wrote with Trevor, mm-hmm. um, which we're, we're still in the middle of working on lyrics and that. But a lot of some of the stuff that and the stuff that I write with Randy, we we collaborate on everything. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll bring him a finished piece of music and melody, and he'll just put the words to it. Uh, on the, in the other case of what we did this time, is we actually wrote a lot of the stuff from scratch, sitting in the same room together. Cool. 
And uh, we have, we obviously have a really great working rapport, you know. Yeah. I mean, th- I think Toto fans will really dig this record, but I think people that just like my stuff and they're not particularly Toto fans right. will also dig it. Guitar players will dig it because I'm playing a lot on it. Right. But mm-hmm. it's really, I got some really interesting tones and sounds, and it didn't just go stock, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've got a feeling that this this record is going to go down as a special one for you, as you know, since you've collaborated with your son Trevor in, in writing and well, recording. Well, that's been a kick in the ass, man, because he's starting his record <laughs> on a Wednesday. You know, he's, that's he's, right. he's working with Tommy Hendrickson and these guys over at Geffen Records. They're really interested in doing this, and if it all goes down well this week, then uh, he'll continue on and just finish the record. Well, working with Trevor in this capacity, what, what was it like from both a father and a musician standpoint? Well, I mean, it's a, you know, I'm very proud of him because he got out there with the big boys and he was playing on the basic tracks with the guys and he, he has great time and great sense and he also has a great songwriting sense. He's got that thing, Randy, when we wrote a song with Randy, Randy called me on the phone and he goes, wow, man, your son, he has what it takes, he has a great sensibility, he's very confident really? in his ideas. That's cool. and, and, and he's right. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's got a good instinct and it's a joy for me. I mean, it's a good kick in the butt for me to work with my kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And he comes down to sessions almost every day and checks in. He's like, you know, he gives me the thumbs up on stuff. or goes, eh, I don't know about that one, Dad. Yeah. He can do better than that. <laughs> well, I, I got to watch. He's real honest with me, and it's great. I'm honest with him. Yeah, I got to watch him lay down a one of the ba- some really dirty, grungy bass line, and he nailed it in the first take. Yeah, well, you know, he was I, all over you know, it. I had to, you know, <laughs> I taught him well, man. Well, he's he's performed with you on stage before, but this is is this the first time you guys have had a chance it's the to? First time we've ever written together, yeah. and been in the studio together. Yeah, it was, you know, I, he's my best pal, man. I mean, you know, we're very tight. I mean, our, our relationship is uh, it's very special. That's I nice. Cherish it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and I, it's about time for him. To, you know, you know, he's working his way into his own thing, and this time next year, I probably won't even be able to get him on the phone. You know, yeah, <laughs> he'll be on the road somewhere. You know. Well, you kind of touched on this a little while ago, but you, you mentioned that you know during some of the early session work, and I guess probably even now, you're, you just sort of sat back and produced, and you just let the guys go to see what they would come up with? Well, you know, I wanted to also be in control. I knew specifically what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so that had something to do with it as well. I mean, I said I, need, and I didn't have a lot of time, because some of these guys, you know, I could only get them during the daytime. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have the luxury of just saying, well, let me just fuck around and get it all right, you know? Well, this is kind of a new approach, though, for you, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I did play on some of the basic tracks, but uh, others I just, you know, I just said, look, I don't really have time to do this. Let's just see how this lives, you know? Right. Let's do this like this. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, I was able to concentrate in detail what they were doing, you know what I mean? Right. And then I could say, oh, no, I don't like that. Let's do that. I was very, you know, like I said, I had my producer ears on as opposed to my guitar player ears. <laughs> and then I was able to go in there and do my own thing to it, you know, and then sit down there and take the time that I wanted to experiment with the weird little amps and stuff that uh, I didn't do or haven't done ever, I don't think, in the studio. Not just you know, uh, on your on your website, um, a guy wrote, uh, I think his name's Aaron uh, Slagman, he wrote an interesting little essay, and he sort of uh, explains uh, the Steve Lukather uh, uh, musical development phases, He and he points out four things. He goes, you have uh, the road of, of Toto, session player, jam session, and then your solo road. Tell us, how do these things all sort of mix in together? Because one sort of is attached to each other. You follow me? I don't know, man. You know, I'm, I'm one of these guys that works project to project. Yeah. I don't necessarily, like, you know, it's not even that methodical. I just kind of like, okay, this opportunity comes up, so let's, let's do that. This just sounds like it'd be a gas. Right. Know? And then I get into that really deeply and heavily, and yeah. and, then, and then it just kind of happens. I don't right. really think about it that much. Right. 
In regards to uh, you know this this weekend, uh, but you played a couple dates at the at the baked potato, and uh, I did. It was just for fun, a little jam band to revisit some stuff that we did with Greg Madison back in the day. Yeah. It was loose. I mean, you know, we were making mistakes and stuff like that. But you know, I think people come to see us jam, and it was, it was a jam session, really. You know, right? And we had fun. I mean, I really had a blast playing with Abe and Sklar and. Matheson's uh, one of my old pals, and we really had a great time doing it. You know? Yeah. Did you, have right. to, did you have to go back to listen to that record to sort of yeah, get the Yeah, I mean, feel? that brought back a whole hell of a lot of memories, <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty intense. The last time I heard uh, Greg was, I think it was at the Big Potato also a few years back with uh, Larry Carlton. And I tell you, I've been a, a, a huge Greg Matheson fan for years. And uh, the guy just, he just, he's solid as a rock, you know? He's a, he's a brilliant musician, man. Yeah. He really has the epitome of tone and taste. You know yeah. What I mean? No doubt. Hey, Eddie just mentioned Larry Carlton. This wasn't one of my questions, but it just made me think. Uh, I think you mentioned a while back that you might do another record with him. Well, I talked to him over the weekend because he's in town for the Grammys. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's in love. He goes, yeah, man. He goes, you know, our schedules just have to, you know, have to right. collide. Mm-hmm. At this point, like, I'm booked up all year and probably in 2008. But 2008 is the 10th anniversary of us doing the Blue Notes together. Holy God. I can't. Freaking believe! I can't that. believe that either. <laughs> that was a mind. That was that was. I couldn't even. You know, this the reality of the passage of time. I guess the older you get, the. I mean, this is a milestone year for me. Wow, that, I can't believe it's been ten years. <laughs> you know, that's what I mean. We did it in the end of 1998. Wow, so it's very likely that that might be the right time to step out and do something. Now, I don't know to, to what level or what capacity. Certainly, nothing that's been. You know, other than this, I, I love playing with them. I miss playing with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I I see that as a definite possibility down the line. That's interesting. I That's mean, a, you know, you know, it's like, hey, we got to find some time. I said, well, hey, you do too. You're in two bands. <laughs> I'm in two things. You know, yeah, you know, we'll find it somewhere. It's sort of it's sort of funny. You probably get a kick out of this. I I actually emailed his wife Michelle Pilar. Oh yeah, Michelle's great. And uh, so uh, year years back, long long time in the eighties, man. I I actually uh, used to put on some CCM concerts and years back, and, and she was one of the acts that I had brought up to to Northern Indiana, man. And uh, and I uh, I emailed her, and she said, "Holy cow, that was a heck of a long time ago." <laughs> you know, she's still doing vocals on the last album that uh, Four Play just put out. She did. Yeah, she put in some vocals along with Nathan East and the whole thing, so she's she's got a really smooth voice. Nah, she's sweetheart too. She's cool. Like her a lot. Absolutely. Hey look, I'm gonna switch gears real quick and you know, we've we've had the good fortune to interview David Page and David Hungate a while back and, and I'm good, man. I miss him, man. How's he doing? He's he's doing great. He you know, it's funny, at the time he said he hadn't heard falling in between, but uh he said he was gonna go pick it up. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know, he hasn't been in the band since 1982. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have nothing but love and respect for the cat, man. Well, he's still out on the farm, and uh, he's loving life, I think. So. Yeah, he told me he's, like, retired, man. Mm-hmm. He's got a pension. He's just kind of grooving, doing a few states here and there, you know. Well, hey, both of those guys, Paige and Hungate, they took some time during their interview to chat just a little bit about Jeff Percaro. And, and I know you've said time and time again that Jeff was like a brother, and I, and I know mm-hmm. you've answered countless questions regarding your thoughts and feelings about him, but... If you just had to choose one memory of Jeff that sticks with you, something that will always remind you of Jeff, mm-hmm. what would it be? Well, man, I, I can't, one would be impossible. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, there's like, yeah. so many incredible memories. Right, right. He was such an instrumental part of my whole coming-of-age career and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just a magical cat, man. When he walked into the room, the room lit up. And you yeah. ask anybody, and they'll tell you the same thing. Yeah, that's what we've heard. But, I mean, like, I grew up in, in that house, you know what I mean, like, from the time I was 15 years old, you know, I mean, he was he was like already legendary, mm-hmm. you know. Right. When we were in high, he was in Steely Dan when we were in high school. 
And yeah, he used to yeah. come play shows with us when we couldn't get a drummer, like Carlos couldn't do it or something. Jeff would go, I'll play the gig. He put a New Year's Eve party with us once in a Mormon church. <laughs> <laughs> and we were playing like 90% Steely. You know? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah, it was really the band. It was me and Landau, uh, John Pierce, um, Steve Picaro, and then Paige would come with Jeff, and then they'd come sit in and play with us. Wow. I mean, and we were just zit-faced teenagers. Man. Yeah. So, and, so, um, so who was the Mormon out of the bunch? <laughs> no, we just got the gig. You know, we, were drinking, we were drinking booze out of 7-Up bottles. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and so it was actually quite humorous. And uh, but we had a blast, and he was very. He'd always look at me and say things. You know, he was very encouraging to me. Right. We got along really well, you know. And he kind of took me in as a, and you know, introduced me to a lot of people. Introduced me to Carlton and Graydon and and Foster and all those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, all the whole Carlton. Kind of, it wasn't for them. But Jesus, I mean, I I don't know where I would be. No, when we were talking to David Hungate, he he basically, you know, he seems to be pretty uh pretty square to the to the, to the world and being really super critical on 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 talent. And he said he was none of the the, the best. I mean, well, literally the had, best you know, ever. My son dragged something up off the of YouTube of an instructional video that he did playing with Shanga or something like that. And, just, and I got to tell you something, man. I mean, the cat was magical, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't. He just had a finesse. He had an extra touch that like no other. Person I've ever seen has ever had. Right. Yeah. Wow. There was a, there was a, a, something about his aura. I mean, he was very special. Mm-hmm. And those of us that were lucky enough to uh, be around his genius, you know, it, it sort of rubbed off a little bit. You know. Yeah. I mean, whenever he played, he could play the worst song in the world and make it and make a groove. Yeah. And believe me, in a few of those sessions we did together, they were the worst. Songs. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, the guy you sometimes. You know, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, obviously, but you know, there was a few. As much great stuff as we did, there was a few dogs along the way too. You know, <laughs> as you just get to day to day session guy stuff, like you don't even know who the artist is, and you, right. you wonder, like, how do these people get a record deal? Man? Right. <laughs> but that, you know, that was a long time ago. It was in the seventies. You know? Yeah, seventies were a great time. There was so much work for everybody, man. Everybody yeah. was doing everything, and it was there was no machines doing things. There were real people playing, you know. Right. And I'm still from that school. That's why I wanted to do things. You know, we use all this analog gear on my record, and that's how we do it with Toto. You know, we can all sit in a room and play tracks until we get a take, and that's no pretty much what we do, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of analog, that, that console that's in uh, your studio, is that, it's an old Neve, like probably vintage 1970 or something like that. Yeah, and, that, well, part of that was, EM, that was EMI in London's desk, or, more, or part um, the, the left side of it. Right. They did classic albums. Dark Side of the Moon was recorded on those faders. You know? Wow. Or not the faders, but the actual modules, you know? Uh-huh. And there's a lot of magic in there, man. Those guys spent like, you know, the guys who own the studio now, um, they spent like $700,000 on that. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, the, 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 there is a difference between the way things sound going through those faders. Oh, definitely. As opposed to just sitting in your Pro Tools rig at home. Exactly. Sorry, you know, I'm still, there's enough analog stuff going on there that when you do go to the digital medium, which is really wonderful to work with as far as non-destructive editing, you know, where you're not, you can actually try things, and if it screws up, you can go immediately back to it. You know, you yeah. never really erase anything like you used to. Like, if you press the red button in the old days, it was gone. Right. And now, you know, you, know, you can try different things, and there's all the plugins and stuff. And sure. There, there, there is a, there's an advantage to the new technology, but there's also a disadvantage to it as well. Exactly. You know, some people use it as an excuse. Hey, me and Rick are trying to smell what's for breakfast. Oh, I'm just making my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good husband. 
finally, I just want to touch on a little bit of Toto here. I guess you'll be embarking on uh, the 30th anniversary tour I soon. I get it. Embarking Toto? Okay, uh, <laughs> that's lousy. That's really a Jeez. bad joke, guys. You could have done better. Uh, <laughs> I did not write that. My God. <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> See, man, I can work clean, Tell me too. about it. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just a filthy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you're you're getting ready to go back to Europe in March, right? Yeah, man, I'm actually excited to go back out again. We've got the full big production extravaganza with all the big cool. you know, the films and the big light show and the whole thing, and the ticket sales are great, man. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's very encouraging. But this isn't actually the start of the 30th anniversary tour. That's happening no, later, man, right? No, man, we're kind of, I mean, we got together in 1977. Right. You know, at the end of the year, we were, you know, we did the summer tour with Boss Gags 30 years ago. Uh-huh. And um, this time... I think we're going to kind of look at the 30th anniversary of 2008. Okay, yeah. The release of the first album, and we had our first single, and uh, rumor has it that we're going to bring back a lot of the old gang. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. You know, I mean, everybody. That's cool. With the exception of probably Byron, you know. Yeah, well, who, yeah. Who was kind of a, a momentary <laughs> blip on the screen. It didn't really count. We never even did a full record with him. Right, right. It is just his thing just didn't work. I wish the cat well. I've heard that he's put a voodoo curse on all of us or something like that. <laughs> supposed to be a pretty tripped out dude i mean i haven't seen or spoke to him in 17 years so i don't know well but you know i don't carry around hatred for anyone I just, we just didn't get along we had nothing in common <laughs> but the rest of the guys i mean stevie p and joe even maybe fergie yeah i mean who knows i mean we're, we're, we're just at, a, at the stage now where uh we're thinking about doing it we'll grab dave out of retirement we'll just have like 10 guys on stage to do a sure. three-hour show that'd be awesome with, like with all the cats that go through all the eras you know yeah but that's not for a ways down the line. I mean, that would probably be the end of 2008 or, you know, summer or something. I don't know. Right. Do you think, I so mean... We want to do something special for it. I mean, and, and I think, you know, you got to keep reinventing yourself to keep people you know, coming back to see you more and more. And I think that's... A, that's a, you know, we've kind of made peace with all the people through in the past. Yes, we've had, you know, differences of opinion or disagreement. Some guys going out saying they were total when they're not, you know. Yeah. We went through that with Bobby. We went through it with Fergie. But, you know, you get to a point where, you know, I'm just old to be carrying around a grudge you know? right isn't it funny how the the circle sort of comes down to hey man they're my friends or whatever and you know well, we, we had times together and, right. and good times together and you know they are part you know the people that were really a strong part of the history should be a part of it yeah people that were a momentary blip don't need to be there mm-hmm. right exactly i'm really happy to, to see that uh steve porcaro is going to be uh you know he collaborated on, on a track with you i really am well it's good that the track is just me and steve Vicaro. Mm-hmm. that's it's great beautiful uh um, instrumental piece I wrote. It's not fusiony. It's just it's, it's just a really beautiful melody. And I've had that one sitting around for a while. I've never really had a place for it. Mm-hmm. But Steve is, you know, he, the way he orchestrates things now, man. Right. He's so talented at that. And I, I really wanted him to work on something where I could just give him full reign. Yeah. So I went over and I played the track for him. I played it into a, you know, his keyboard, but it's, even though it's going to be a guitar melody, and he gets this stuff. Yeah, and he's gonna be he's gonna work on that, and we'll get that together, and that's gonna be an extravaganza, something completely different. It'll feature us, just both of us, right? And the rest of it's all full band, you know. That's cool. Hey, speaking of the thirtieth again, it, and this is looking way ahead. Maybe you don't know the answer to this, but might there be any uh, special release of new or previously unreleased material? You know, I don't know. I mean, here's the deal. I mean, the record business being what it is these days. Yeah. I mean, for us to go back in and do another nine-month album is just insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's not cost-effective. Right. Everybody's got new families and stuff like that. We were on the road so much again. 
And the demand for new music from us as a toto, per se. I mean, I mean, if we went to the studio and did an EP, you know what I mean? We did like right. four or five tracks. Sure. You know, and to add to this, I think we should do something like that so we have at least a couple of new songs mm-hmm. with everybody for the 30th. You know what I mean? But a full album, I'm not sure we'll ever do that again. I think what we'll do is we'll just add new songs to, the, to you know, available, make it available online. Because, I mean, you know, record shops are going on. It's a whole new paradigm. It's a whole new way to make records. I'm not saying we're never going to make another full album again. I can right, say sure. that for sure. But for the 30th anniversary, most people are going to want to be real nostalgic about that. Mm-hmm. Right. They're going to want to hear all their favorite old tunes that we've right. never played before. Awesome. That sounds very cool. That's, I guess that's it. The only thing I wanted to ask is, you know, about the Toto Network. You know, it's your interactive website, and it's been up and running for over a year now. And, and uh, We're still adding things, too. We're still yeah. getting it together. There's a few glitches and a few bugs, but we're, we're, we're cool with I all mean, that. I mean, did you ever think that there'd come a day where you'd actually be able to interact and share so much content with your fans almost instantly? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, occasionally you get some people in there that take the whole thing way too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, that's, things are going to develop with that as we develop. We're taking... Uh, somebody on the road just to do nothing but film stuff. That's cool. There's going to be a lot more content, a lot more daily thing. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, it's hard for all of us to carry around a camera that's good enough to, like, put stuff on there because, like, you might be able to see if it's all distorted because it's got a really crappy little microphone in it, you know? Right. So we want to put down, you know, stuff that's not good, you know? Yeah. Right, right. Well, cool. Well, hey, I appreciate all the time you spent with us here today. Hey, man, i got to get to work, bro. Yeah. Thanks, right, Steve. We'll, we'll uh, catch up with you again soon, man. Uh, thanks for the cheesecake. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. It was a big hit with the guys. Well, thanks for letting me come out. I appreciate it. Anytime, man. Okay. Take care, Steve. I'll talk to you soon. Stay in touch. Bye-bye. All right, see you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Steve Lukather for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. Our goal is to bring you a new podcast once every other week, so be sure to check your podcast downloads for the next episode of Inside Music Cast. If you have a question or a suggestion for the show, please drop us an email at input at insidemusiccast.com. That's input at insidemusiccast.com with one C. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Stay subscribed to Inside Music Cast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading Inside Music Cast, the podcast devoted to the musicians, fans, and the people who make the music business happen. Your subscription is appreciated, so be sure to check your podcatcher for our next episode. You can also visit InsideMusicCast.com for additional content. If you'd like to contact us via email, the address is input at InsideMusicCast.com.